study of Genesis. This morning's lesson is supplemental. In just a moment, I will explain the connection, but before that, let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. We'll be reading verses 1 through 17. title of our message this morning, We Are Called to Obedience. Beginning of verse 1, God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath, under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who, makes his name, who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord God, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Permit me to pray and then we will begin. Father, we ask for your, your help as we see, as we consider truths that we find in these passages. Help us apply them to the life that we live now, our walk of faith, our testimony for Christ. Help us see that this is truly a call to obedience. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The first messages that we've been bringing in Genesis talk about his creation and also talk about his Sabbath rest. In Genesis 1 and 2, we've looked. I wouldn't say a cursory view. But we looked at two, two recollections of creation itself. And before we go any further, I want to pause we know that in creation before the fall everything was perfect eden paradise perfection peace safety fellowship with god was what was experienced 
we're not quite sure how long. Next week, we will look at chapter 3 and look at the fall and what happened there and why it happened and how it happened. But in the meantime, we know that before the fall, Adam and Eve enjoyed fellowship with God because obedience. That call to obedience before the fall has never been rescinded by the Lord himself. It is still in, in place. It is still active. It is still required. So when he gives us the Ten Commandments, we want to take in the context of creation, in the context of pre-fall, we want to consider a few thoughts before we go any further in Genesis. In our text, is it, the first few verses are heavily focused on how we should relate to God. Ten out of the 17 verses focus on how we worship him. First four commandments. Speak of his holiness, his righteousness, his omnipotence, his authority. This is the one who created everything. I have, I'm sure you have too, gone out and looked at the night sky and seen all of the stars above and understand how far they are away and how long it took the light to go from there to us, become, vis become visible in our eyes. To view the universe. And I'm not sure if it was my own pride or my own foolish doubt or if it was Satan whispering in my ear. I would think, how is it possible that he could make this And then in the back of my mind, I hear, it's not possible. And then I have to repent. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. At creation, God honored man and woman. God gave them glory by giving them the responsibility of dominion over all that he has created. So then, why the commandments of God? Why does he remind us of this? Because God knows us. He knows our history. He knows since Adam and Eve, that we are sinners. 
Now, theologically, there are those who say, well, how can that be? We have this idea, and we talk about when children are born, oh, they're just innocent little babies. They're not so innocent. We've talked about this quite a bit. But even the youngest among us have a will of their own and they challenge parents. And some parents say, well, they just don't know any better. Well, I like to wonder sometimes what it might have been like had Adam and Eve not sinned and every child born was a God lover. How obedient, how glorious, how wonderful that would have been that they never sinned, that they never did anything, that they never disobeyed because they weren't so willful. But because of sin, we are willful. In Genesis 1, 11 and 12, the Bible tells us that the earth will sprout forth vegetation and plants, yield, plants yielding seed, the fruit trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its kind. And the fruit trees in which is their seed, each according to its kind. Chapter 1 verse 21 it says the sea creatures and every living creature that moves with with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and the winged birds according to their kinds verse 25 and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the living livestock according to their kinds it goes to reason that since all of creation from plant life to animal life reproduces according to its kind once Adam and Eve sinned they're going to reproduce according to their kind because they just became sinners. They're going to produce sinners. It's not a very hopeful kind of concept. And some people wince. Preacher, why do you have to be so hard, so unkind? It's the truth. We are disobedient. Romans 5.12, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Because of Adam, we too are cursed. The late R.C. Sproul once said, sin is a cosmic treason. Sin is a treason against a perfectly pure sovereign. It is an act of supreme ingratitude toward the one to whom we owe everything to the one who has given us life itself. Have you ever considered the deeper implications of the slightest sin, the most minute peccadillo? R.C. Sproul liked those big words. What are we saying to our creature when we disobey, to our creator when we disobey him at the slightest point? We are saying no to the righteousness of God. We are saying, God, your law is not good. My judgment is better than yours. Your authority does not apply to me. I am above and beyond your jurisdiction. I have the right to say, I have a right to do what I want to do, not what you command me to do. Sin is cosmic treason, yet we are called by God to obedience. It is still required
God wants us to remember that he is all holiness. He is perfectly righteous. He is omnipotent. His authority is omnipotent. We need to obey. We need to worship. We need to revere. We need to love to worship, obey, and revere. First four commandments focus on how we are to love the God, love our Lord. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the father's on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. He offers a warning of punishment and then he promises grace to those who are obedient and obey. Those who are obedient and love. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We are called to obedience. He still desires our worship. He doesn't need it. But it brings him glory when we do. And we are called to glorify the Lord. He displays his grace, his patience, and his mercy to unworthy sinners like you and I. In verse 8, the scripture says, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked a little about that, that If the Lord rested from all his work on the Sabbath day, then the plan of salvation had to have been established then. That nothing surprised him. That he was expecting what happened and he was ready for it. So when we read these commandments, he is not just telling us to keep one day in seven set aside for his worship, for his honor. but he is admonishing us to remember your Savior. Keep the reverence for him holy and separate and pure. Remember the promise of redemption. Hebrews 3, 11 and 12. If you want to understand scripture, this is the term I learned in seminary. It's called the perspicuity of scripture you let scripture interpret scripture you want to understand scripture you don't sit there and think scratch your head wonder this is what I think no you look into the Bible and find out what the Bible says about the Bible and that is not circular reasoning Hebrews 3 
beginning of verse 11, the Lord himself is quoted here. As I swore in my wrath, talking about the people of Israel after they disobeyed God in the wilderness, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the loving God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ. If indeed we hold original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who there, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear in the wilderness? Excuse me, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Therefore, while the promise of entering the rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So we have New Testament texts telling us that the plan of salvation was secured. It was set in place before God said, let there be light. So when he declared in the creation order on the seventh day he rested from all his works, this is included. So our salvation is secured in eternity, forever. A promise that will never be broken. All we need do is receive it by faith and leave our sinful life behind, repent. First four commandments focus on how we are to love the Lord. The first five commandments focus on how we are to believe the Lord. The last five are how we are to treat and respect and love one another. Notice the strategic placement of the fifth, fifth commandment. Verse 4, talking about how we are to love and worship our Lord. And then the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and the Lord your God, that the Lord your God is giving you. I think that's strategic because... Parents, parents are the, chief, are the children's first teachers about who God is. Moms and dads teach their children about God. They teach them about... You want to teach your children that God is love? 
where they're going to learn what love means, they're going to look at mom and dad. How is love displayed in the home? How are promises kept in the home? How is integrity displayed in the home? Now, children might not know what the big word integrity means, but they watch very often, very stealthily, sometimes not even knowing it. Do they practice what they preach? Do they do what they tell me to do? Are they parents, are, are my parents faithful to what they tell me to do? I've got to tell you, there have been times in my, my family where we've, we've had to, usually about what kind of foods are allowed and when. Can we have some ice cream? No, not now. But I saw you eating ice cream 15 minutes ago. Rank has its privileges. Sometimes you have to be careful. You know, we as grown-ups, we enjoy the freedom that we have. Sometimes too much sugar for children is not right. Sometimes you have to be careful. And you have to let them understand why. But mothers and fathers are the first to teach their children. And those children will mimic you every time. They will act like you act. Their attitudes will be the same as your attitude. And sometimes... Tragically speaking, they will manifest the same sins if they are present in your life. Humorous little story about a mother who invited some people to dinner as they all gathered at the table, she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, Would you like to say the blessing? Mother, I wouldn't know what to say. Just say what you hear mommy say. She folded her hands, she closed her eyes, and she took a deep breath and said, Lord, why on earth did I invite these people to dinner? They will mimic what you say. But we are called to teach our children about the love of the Lord. We are called to teach our children about God. Going all the way back to Deuteronomy. Children should honor their parents. Parents should be honorable. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Christian parents should fill their home with a sense of the Lord's presence. 
Don't just tell them or teach them. Show them. If you're going to teach them that God is love, show them what love looks like. Is it faithful? Is it gracious? Is it merciful? If you're going to teach them how to be, live righteously, show them what righteousness looks like. Show them what justice looks like. Every family has house rules, their own little list of commandments, and that's okay. But also in that list, teach them that God is gracious. What does grace look like? That God is merciful. What does mercy look like? I remember a former pastor telling me the story. His eight-year-old daughter got in trouble. And when he got home from the church office, he had to talk with her. And he asked her, what did you do? What happened? And she stood there with her trembling lips. She told him what she had done, how she had disobeyed. And he said, what do you think you deserve? And she said, a spanking. That's right, that's what you deserve. But I'm not going to give you one. And that little girl just jumped into her daddy's arms. Teach them, teach them that sin has consequences, but also show them sometimes grace. Every child needs discipline every once in a while. If you want to send them to the corner, or if you want to do it another way, it's up to you. But teach love, teach grace, teach mercy, teach faithfulness. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 4, talk about how we worship God. The fifth Honor our father and mother, and mothers and fathers, you need to be honorable in teaching your children about the Lord. The last five commandments are how we are to love our neighbor. You shall not murder your neighbor. You shall not commit adultery with your neighbor. You shall not steal. Pausing. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. These two specific ones the Lord himself said it's not just committing the sin, it's thinking about it that makes you guilty. So he ramped it up a little bit, quite a lot. We aren't supposed to entertain lust or anger or bitterness against anyone. You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, that includes gossip. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not covet his 
sports car or his bass boat. We are called to obedience. While we begin to look further into our Christian faith and as we examine next week the fall where the curse began, we ought to remember though man has failed and we've been failing ever since, obedience is still before us as a call of God. How can I live this way for the Lord? How can I honor his name? How can I be honorable? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your spouse as yourself. Love your children as yourself. Take care of them as you would take care of yourself. Paul's wonderful words from 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind, love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day and for this time together. Help us to honor you by seeking to be obedient. Let us repent of the sins that are so prevalent in this world and let us rejoice in the love and the grace that has come to us through Christ Jesus. Let us live with gratitude in his liberty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.